Good evening, everybody, tonight. Welcome to tonight's meeting. I want to thank God for you all as we join in gradually tonight into the Bible study for today. I want to welcome you most sincerely and trust that you've had a great day and we're all prepared for another wonderful time of the study of the word. Father, we thank you this evening for this opportunity we have again to look at your word together. Your word we know is life. Your word is grace. Your word is strength. Your word brings illumination. Cause our hearts to tonight to be illuminated. Let it be assurance of our salvation in our spirits. Teach us that we are grounded in your word. Strong and firm that may become effectual in your hands, doing your work, always and in all times. For pray, in Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, tonight you're welcome. Um, I want us to um, take a little uh, movement from where we stopped, like our custom is. You have your notes and your Bible and everything together with you as we go into the study of the Word tonight. Um, tonight, I want us to talk as we go on in our discourse on salvation and, and particularly narrowing down to justification because this is important and it's very, very essential for us to know and learn the will and the mind of God. Now, why is this important for us to learn? Because it's, it's, it's a critical question and critical information that we must all come to terms with. Um, and this question of salvation, justification, is being asked over the ages. Um, and I'm going to lead you to a few scriptures tonight to show you that the question of justification has been on the front burner even from the days of Jesus. Let me let you know that one of the things that a pastor should do is to shepherd the people of God with the scripture. You see that? And then lead them by the word of God um, to grow and mature the saints doing the will of God and to, you know, to do that with compassion and love and um, growing in the things of the spirit and then also to help lead us in prayer and in teaching of the word. Now, I, I, I don't want to broadcast down with so much to do tonight on that, but I will go on uh, tonight. So my objective and my, my, my assignment is to teach uh, with compassion, with love, is to help us mature and grow in the things of God using the Bible. For there is no other authority that we can be so assured of apart from the authority of Scripture. Scripture is our, I mean, I mean the Bible is our sole authority on which everything spiritual, ethical, and moral is established. Um, 
we don't read the Bible objectively. It is subjective. It is narrowed down to what God says. It has nothing to do with what we say or what we are trying to do. And so the question of justification is very critical in the discourse of the faith. You know, in our day, the church is just growing everywhere and people just are assuming there's so much assumption today. We must come to a point where we, we don't assume. And the only way we can clarify and, and come to, to proper understanding is by finding out what the Word of God has to say about this. You know, I heard of a story of someone who got adrift um, on the high sea and he was, he, he, he floated to an island. They, they had a shipwreck, you know, and then it was an island <clears throat> for 10 years. And in the, in the period of 10 years, he built a small hut and built two other, in fact, he built three, three buildings or three huts with his hands. And then by the 10th year, somebody, a, a, a sheep just came by and came to the island and saw him and said, ah, we've been here all along, why, 10 years, now let's go. So they took him and the sheep and they were going um, to, to civilization. And then the person asked him, oh, are you a Christian? He said, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, tell me about those three houses on the island before we go. He said, well, the first one is the house I built myself to live. The second one is the church that I worship. Then the third one is the church that I built when I left the first church. Now it's, it's funny, but it's the same man being himself, sole member, left the first church, moved to the second church that he built. If he stayed for another two years, you move. Now it just tells you that there are many doctrines, many articles of faith. But there must be something that we must all agree to about justification. Now, if you read Matthew, John chapter 3, there's a story of Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus told him in chapter 3 and, and 4, he says, he, says, he says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he asked the next question. You know what he asked Jesus? How can a man be born again when his word is old? That means the question of salvation, of justification, is, is, is as far as we can go to trace Jesus' time. Now, mind you, Nicodemus, in fact, Jesus told him, you are the leader of the Jews. You are a Pharisee. You are, the, you are a teacher in Israel. How come you don't know this thing? It means it is not about the religious standing. It's about following the understanding and the laid down principle of the Lord. You see, he asked Jesus, how can a man be born again? In Acts 2, 37, when Peter preached the first sermon, and Bible says in 37, it says their heart pricked them, and they asked Peter, men and brethren, what shall we do? Have you ever asked this question? Because it's a thing that will always come up. What shall we do? So people over the ages have always asked this question. 
How is a man justified? Romans 10, 13. He says, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And now, how shall they call? What, what does the calling entail? How, how will you call to be saved? Mark 16, 15, 16. He says, Go into the whole world and preach the gospel. He that believes and baptized shall be saved. How do you believe? So these are questions that we must ask. And this is what we are trying to answer in this study. Why? So that you understand yourself and be able to help others um, know the truth in love. If you, if you are a student of the Bible, you will know that the, the first council uh, of Jerusalem was conveyed to, to explain this principle of how. The issue is in many, everybody has a view of justification. And the word justification simply means the word how to be made righteous. And this is important that we get it right because there are consequences. And the consequences for not getting this right is grave. The consequences is is alarming is 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 of eternal uh, implication it, you can't come back to make an excuse for it you know in Luke's book we'll just give a parable of the rich man Lazarus the rich man said Jesus please let Lazarus I mean Abraham let let Lazarus go to the wall and tell my siblings that there's 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 danger there's hell and this was Jesus teaching. And he says, no, they have the prophets, they have the word. If they don't believe that one, they can't believe anyone that comes. That means there's a reality after life. And the, and the answer or the position you take about salvation and justification is critical to your experience afterwards. So you can't leave it to chance. You can't leave it to what you are told, what you are fed, what... What the church tells you, no. You must trace it yourself to be sure that what the church is telling you is what God actually is saying. Because Nicodemus asked, how? The people asked, what shall we do? And the answer is found in the Bible. Amen tonight. Um, let me quickly just go tonight as we make progress in this. You know, the reason this is important is because Jesus said in John 3, 36, he says, he says, He that believeth on the Son hath life, but he that believeth on the Son hath no life. And if he has no life, he says, The wrath of God abided in him. Now, notice that word, the wrath of God. Nobody wants to face the wrath of God. But what makes us escape the wrath of God is believing in the Son. Now, this is the question now. How then do we believe in the Son? Luke 3, 7. Jesus screamed at them and said, O ye generation of vipers, who has won you? Who has, who has, who has, who has allowed you to, to flee the, from the wrath to come. There's a wrath, folks. But the way to flee from that wrath is to come to what? To Jesus. But now the question is, 
How do we come to him? You know, I keep saying in church when I explain these things, you can come to my house and find a code a, a, or a, a key card. You can, you, can, you can swap your ATM card as long as you want. They don't open until you have the access card to the house. You can be at the door, but if you don't have the access card, you won't enter no matter how long you stay there. That you stay long on the, at the door doesn't make you, that will not admit you into the house. The door can be locked and can be there for years. Some folks are in church with locked doors into Christ. Romans 1.18 It says, For this purpose, the wrath of God is revealed over all ungodliness of men. So there's a wrath of God waiting. But the way to escape this wrath is by the Son. Thomas Jr. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 I'm going to read that one to you now. Verse 10 of First Thessalonians. Please, this is, that is very important for me. And for us, so that we know. Verses 10 of First Thessalonians 1 says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So it is Jesus that has what? Delivered us from the wrath to come. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's coming back again, and we shall see him. But if you wait for him to be seen when he comes again, it's late. It is now you must receive him. But now here's the question. How? And that's why you find today in several places, and, 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 and tonight we'll read honestly, Jesus spoke in Matthew 7 from verse 15. Beware of the Pharisees. Beware of the false prophets. Mark that will lead you astray. Mark them and check the word. Jesus gave us several warnings. Paul said in Galatians 1 verse 6 and 9. Say if anyone will preach to you again another gospel. Or that which has been preached. Let him be an anathema. Same in verse 9. That means there is a gospel. And therefore we must come to terms with it. Now, every denomination has its own way. God didn't call us to follow the denomination. He called us to follow what? His word. And tonight, we want to see what the word of God says. The time is near. He's coming back again, but are you prepared? Before I read a few things, let's turn about and let's read together. Acts 15. Acts 15. We'll read from verses 1 through verse, verse 9. Do you know that some people in church, as they preach as pastors, they never quote scripture. They don't preach from the text of the Bible. Whereas Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4:13, he says to him, Until I come. Give attendance to public reading of scriptures, to teaching and to preaching. For this is sound and good for you and the church. Acts 15 from verse 1. Hallelujah. And certain men 
Because the purpose of this meeting is on the issue of how will men be saved? What is the process of salvation? How can a man be justified in Christ? So it happened with Jesus. Now it happened when Jesus left. So, so the council here met to deliberate on this particular issue. And hear what they say. And see what the Lord said here. So read together tonight. And certain men which came down from Judea and taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. You see that? So the issue of salvation, that means some people have their own way. Some have their own way. It became an issue in the early church. And God, by the word of God, gave us a definite place so that no one has an excuse no one is deceived by any man or any situation or any race. God's word is so clear. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Let God's word be the arbiter. It says, it says, it says, if, if people are not covered by, by Moses, said, they cannot be saved. Now, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation, reading from the King James, with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about what? This question. So it's a question you must ask. So if your church tells you that you must be confirmed in a certain way, ask question, how? If you tell you that you, you can be saved when they baptize you, ask question, how? You know, today the Lutheran church has their own way of salvation. The, the Methodist church has their own way of, of confirmation. Same with everyone. So we must come to ask how are these people saying the truth to us? Now jump to verse, jump to for time's sake, jump to verse 4. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders. Notice the apostles were the ones on whom Christ says. He says he has built the church on the on the on the on the on on on, 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 on the prophets and the apostles and Christ himself being word the chief cornerstone. So they came to deliberate, and I know that the Holy Ghost is with them to give clarity, not just to them, but to us that will follow after, because God knows that this same question will arise centuries later. And guess what? This same question will arise if Christ arises in another century. Verse 5, but there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it is needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law. See the word? There's a commandment. Some people place a command that once you follow this command, this order, this sacrament, this procedure, you cannot be saved. It's not new. So the issue is that what is the word of God saying? I'm going to find out tonight from this word. They get command. They brought laws, principles, patterns that you must follow to be saved. They said if you don't do that, we don't believe they can be saved. Now what is, 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 the, is the purpose or the, the, the position of God in this matter? Let's read down. Verse 6. And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider this matter. Why? It is an important matter of life and death. Because on this, the church stands or falls. 
How are people admitted into the body of Christ? What do I need to do to be saved? They asked. Verse 7. And when there had been much disputings. You see that? Peter arose. Or rose up. And said unto them. Men and brethren. Ye know how that a good while ago. God made choice among us. That the Gentiles by my mouth. Should hear the word of the gospel. And believe. We know that in Acts 10. When God showed the, the, the division of the clear and unclean vessel coming down from heaven three times. And then, and then when it was done, God told him, don't call what I've made clean, unclean. Imagine, imagine somebody calling you unclean when God said to you, you are what? You are clean. They said, do you know, you, you can't be clean until you go through our ritual. What, what, what a position. It's time to ask questions. And go back to the foundation of scriptures. So let's go on there. And God, which knoweth the hurts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Verse 9. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by what? By what? By faith. Peter said, God purified their hearts by faith. So in other words, he's saying, there is no need for them to be circumcised or go through the rituals that you are prescribing for salvation is actually by faith and faith alone. Any other teaching is contrary to scriptures. If you come to salvation without faith alone, then you are coming with your own righteousness. And all your righteousness, all your attempts to be right, all your attempts to end salvation is like filthy rags before God. God said, the reason I sent my son, the reason he came as the incarnate Christ, the reason he hung on a tree is that it becomes your propitiation and your vicarious atonement. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. These were the express words of Peter by the Holy Spirit. Verse 10. Now therefore why tempt ye God? Now some folks are tempting God. They are, they, are, they are skewing God's process by adding rules to salvation. And they cloak it in the, in the garment of religiosity and, 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 and sanctimoniousness and, 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 and church hierarchy. Why tempted God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Wow. That means God doesn't expect anyone to put a yoke on you. You must go through this. You must wash your hands. You must clean your face. You must, you must be baptized. You must eat communion. You must, before you are saved, no. It's not scriptural. We come to salvation by faith. That's the way of God. Verse 11 and uh, 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 verse 12. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall, or we are saved, even as they. So it's the grace. So it's just echoing, or rather, Paul echoed what Peter said here. Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. 
It is not of yourselves. It is the what? The gift of God. No man therefore should boast. Do you know that when men walk in legalism, they boast about it. That I've been, I've been confirmed. I've been baptized. I've, been, I've, been, I've done all the rights. Therefore, I'm qualified. It's, it's, it's vain boasting. The salvation of God leaves no room for any man to boast. Verse 12. Then all the multitude kept silence. And gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought through them among the Gentiles. I'm going to end it tonight. Or stop in, in this point. Now, let me go on. There is, a, there is an issue we have to address, really. As God's children. Yeah, please, if, if, you are, if you are on mixed lab, please mute the, the, your, 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 I'm sorry, on Zoom. Um, I think it's Sister uh, Everty. Please mute your your speaker. Thank you. God bless you. Please mute it. Amen. All right. So we okay. Um, Brother, please have been muted. Can you check? I mean, mute it so it doesn't it doesn't interfere. All right. So we have to look at this from scripture. No sentiment. No personal opinions. It's time to start critiquing. So we can do things right. Now, let me say this to you this morning, this evening. Justification means, or rather, it's a word, dichanosis. Righteousness means dichasune. This same word, it means being made right and accepted in God. Now, the next thing I'm going to take tonight after this teaching will be regeneration. Because without you being regenerated, you can't be actually justified. But let's take this one tonight and start from there. You see, uh, our, uh, our understanding of justification of being made righteous is very important. And the only way by which we can be justified is the only way by which God himself has prescribed. If we try to go find our own way, it should not be a self of God. God has prescribed the way for us and it's by the way of faith. See what Paul said in Galatians 3 verse 13, he said, and being found in him, and being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from a law or a set of rules. Galatians 3.13. But the righteousness which is offered by him. Paul said, when I got saved, I didn't get saved by a set of rules. Being found in him. You, you can't be found in him with your own. If, if, you, if you have to do something to be saved, then it's not the right way. Being found in him. That means you can't do anything to end salvation. You can't do anything to be justified. It's by faith in the finished work of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 and 21. It says, if any man be in Christ. If, if any man be in Christ. He's a new creation. All things have passed away. Folks, you can't do anything to be in Christ. It's Christ that gives back to you. 
21. It says, it says, it says, and 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 God made him that knew no sin to become sin. So everything that happened to us, towards our justification, is by what Christ alone had done. Galatians 2.16. Don't let tonight. Let's read again so you can see. Because this is important as the church grows. So we know how people are admitted in the church. It is not by, by, by the church conferring on you salvation. No. It is God himself that saves you. You are justified by the finished work of God. It is by grace. Peter said so. It is the grace of God and by the faith of God. Same thing that Paul said in Galatians 2, 16. I want to read right now. 16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. And not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be worked justified. This sounds like what Peter said in Acts 15, verse 9. So, Christian justification is not by a set of rules put in place by men. Man can't justify you, man can acquit you because. Himself need an acquitter. Himself need to be acquitted. Himself needs to be saved. So a man who is drowning can't save another drowned person. They are both dead. It takes him one who is alive to save. According to scripture, being made righteous is not a process. It is an event and it's the work of God. Amen. You know, someone said that you can't be justified until you do. That it's a process. That you can't be sure if God has received you or not until, until you die. That's a bad place to be. You can know. The Bible says, For the Spirit of God bears witness with our word, with our spirits that we are children of God. Now, therefore, we can call God our Father. In fact, Hebrews says that Jesus has become the firstborn from the dead and has called us friends and no more slaves. Listen, if you're a friend of someone, then you are a friend indeed. Amen tonight. So, being justified is not a process. It is an event. It's an act of God. It's a gift of God based on the sacrifice and the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So you can't do anything to earn it. It's given unto you. No one ends his salvation. No one is justified by a set of rules. It is strictly the act of God. No institution can confer a right standing for you before God. For all have sinned, Romans um, 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No institution, no human being can confer on you a right standing before God. It is God alone that justifies. So say Paul. 
No other ceremony can make you justified before God. It is the faith of God alone that justifies us. And so when men come, when, when, when men come up with rules, you know, it, there's a way it, 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 it whips us religious passion. It's works. And whatever you do by works, you, you also keep it going by what? By works. But salvation is by faith in Christ. And that's why it's only Christ that can sustain and keep us in this way. You know, when some people say that grace can be conferred, that's, that's, that's not true. Let's look at scriptures tonight. You know what I'm saying? So when you go to preach, when we go for, for outreaches, we will know what to say. Don't, don't help people. Don't pat them. Don't, don't assume that they are saved. Let them follow the, the principles and the protocol laid down by the word. Titus 2 tonight. Let's turn it tonight. Titus 2. You know, if you are open about the Titus, you sing the song, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, and James. So you know where it is. So go to us, Hebrews. And then go back from Hebrews. You find Titus. Just by that, you know, like I said, some folks are in Leviticus, started from there. Well, the Lord bless you, but I believe with time you get it. But let's see this tonight. How is the grace given? Is it true that the grace of Jesus is, you know, some churches say that, they said the grace on my life. As a pastor, I'm praying for you because of the grace I carry. Which grace? Nobody carries any grace that saves men. The grace of Jesus is been given to all. No man carries his, I've had to pray. By the grace of this man. By the grace of God. No. No man carries any grace. The grace of God is available now to all. When he died on the cross, he said, It is what? It's finished. Glory to God. He didn't give it to man to give it to a man. No, no. He has called us all to himself to be able to receive. So you can ever receive the Lord by yourself. Titus 2 11 tonight. Please talk with me and see. For the grace of God that bringeth what? Salvation. Had appeared to how many men? Some men? The clergy? The church? No, all men. In, now, the all men here is generic. Both male and female, both boy and girl and children. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all. It is not, it's not given to a few to hold in trust for Jesus, no. And to give to those who they feel like giving. Those that, that meet their criteria, no. The grace of God has been given to all men. Titus 3, verses 4 and 5. In fact, let's read from verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse laws and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Ah, I love this. You see that? That's the same grace in 2.11. 
That kindness is the grace. That same grace that Peter mentioned in Acts 9, sorry, Acts 15, I mean, Acts 15, verse 9 and 10. Same that Paul mentioned in Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. The grace of God has, is available to all men. No man right now is restricted from assessing this grace. But no man can be saved except he receives the grace by faith. Not but now look at it again. Verse 5. Okay, verse 4. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done or which we have been commanded to do. Not by it. So you can't get saved by being good. You know, today there are many religions that support goodness. Just be good person. God will save you. That's what the the, the Pelagians believed. That's what the Libras believed. They don't believe that, 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 that God can has a wrath. The Bible says there's a wrath of God upon all disobedient and all ungodly lives. Folks, men will be judged. Judgment day is coming. There will be a day of reckoning of all men. And God has put this feeling, this understanding, this, this notion in the hands of every man. Everyone knows that one day something will happen after death. Bible says in 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 Hebrews chapter like three verse eleven, say for God has put eternity in the hearts of every man to know that there's something after life, but the way of escape is salvation in Christ. Tonight, if you are listening to me, you're not yet born again. You, you're not saved. You can not by your works. If God is quickening your heart tonight to receive, you can believe in the gospel. Believe in Jesus. Believe that he came, he died. He rose again for your justification. You shall be saved. Put your faith in him. Receive that grace. He will come into your life. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his word, his mercy or his grace, he saved us by what? The washing of regeneration. So, before you are justified, actually, you must first be what? Be regenerated. Now, I will take that the next class. So, how are we regenerated? But first, tonight, let's ask a question. How are we justified? It's by faith in the blood. By faith and faith alone. Not by works. And the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now, I will start tonight. Turn to Romans 5, verse 1. Romans 5, verse 1 tonight. I can quote it, but let's read it. Because these things must be clear. You know, that there, there are many people in church today trying to work out their salvation. Trying to, to please God in every day. You know, you confess daily. Yeah. You, you are doing that not because of, of you are doing that to... To be accepted of God. God says, the way I accept you, the way you can stand before me, is by your being justified. And how are you justified? By faith. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith. It is a faith plus works. But see, I will end this. That true faith brings salvation and works. 
But faith is not works and salvation. Don't worry, I'll come there tonight. Being justified by faith. So we must believe and understand that our standing in God, our being, being approved of God, our being received of God, our being to stand before God without sin is the work and the act of God alone. We don't walk in. We, we have no role to play in that. It's God's work. Amen. Tonight, Hebrews 4, verses 9 and 10. Hebrews 4, verse 9 and 10. Let's run tonight and see us in church tonight together. Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. There remained therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he had also ceased from his own works as God did from his. So to enter the rest, you must cease from work. What is the rest? The justification of the saints in the spirit. Justification is strictly a function of imputation. That means, that means, that means, that means God imputed it to us. God put it on our account. It is not what we, we work for. You can't walk, you can't earn it. It can't be conferred on you. So salvation that leads to justification has no impute from man. That's scripture, it's clear. So when they tell you that you must do X, Y, Z, begin to ask questions, say no. The Bible says it's by faith, by grace through faith. And if I believe in my heart, I receive what he has done for me, I'm saved and justified. But you see, my salvation that comes by grace through faith now puts on me a responsibility to live a life worthy of that faith. That's when I start doing things that is in tandem with sanctification of the spirit. So you don't put a cart before the horse. The, the, the good works we are meant to do comes after we've been saved, after we've been justified, not before it. For before it means it's our own effort that is saving us. But right now the Bible says, we're not saved by our efforts, we are saved by grace and faith of God. Now you remember that when Adam sinned, the sin came to all men. For no man, for no man of his own, can, can cleanse himself. And when he sinned, he passed the sin to all. Bible says in Romans 6 23, for the what is of sin is worth is death. So once Adam sinned, he passed death unto all. For all died in Adam. Listen, folks. Every human being died in Adam. And you know what? A dead man can't receive anything until he's quickened. But see, what God did in justifying us is by imputation, by putting it in us and for us because on our own state, we can't work it out. 
So Adam sinned to man. And man became a sinner. And when Christ died, what God did was that God transferred the sins of man through Christ. For he made him to become sin who knew no sin. So don't bother how much sin you've committed. If you can come to Jesus, he will take the sin away from you. When you repent and turn to him and believe him by faith. Hallelujah tonight. But you can't just come to church and think you are a member of the body of Christ. Because it's a, it's a thing of fact. You must believe. But this is the way that God has prescribed for the world to be saved. Because the day of reckoning is coming and the day is close, friends. So when Adam sins, God transferred to you and I. And we, we died by nature. We became children of wrath. We became disobedient. We became violent in our thinking. We became darkened in our heart. You don't know why the reason. You just love doing evil. The, the, you're not good to do, but you can't do the good in your heart. You see yourself keep doing evil. Why? The nature of sin indwells you. But thanks be to God, for God knoweth that if you, if you left to you alone, you cannot on your own rescue yourself. He came on the scene to rescue you by Jesus Christ. So the power of sin in you can be broken so you can be free once and for all and be saved and come to a new life of peace with God. So what man did? And what God did, God transferred the sins of man to Christ and transferred Christ's righteousness to man. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And God made him to become the sin. He carried your sin. Jesus hung on that cross because of you. Hallelujah. So the punishment that was due to you, he has taken it. And therefore, you need not go through the punishment again. In fact, you can't even do anything to unload it. But thanks be to God that God in his mercy, God in his mercy, in his love, by his grace, has saved us. Hallelujah tonight. He made him to be seen. Who knew no sin? That we might become. That we might become. That we might become, hallelujah, that we might become. Now, folks, we are God's children now because we have become by the atoning sacrifice and the vicarious atonement of Christ. Now, Paul said, if any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. Why? The old life has been transferred. Now the new has come. What a blessing to know. That the price was paid. That we might be free. So let no man put any burden on us. Let no man put any burden on you to do something. To end salvation. To end justification. No. It is the act of God. It is not a process. It is, it is an event. It is an act. It is the work of God. You don't end it. That we might become. That we might be made. Be righteousness of God in him. Amen tonight. Romans 4 
verses 1 through 5. Turn with me there tonight. Let's read quickly. Romans 4, verse 1 to 5. This is what scripture says. I, I believe I have some time tonight. I will just do a few things. But if I don't, we'll, we'll go on Thursday. But I'll take it stepwise tonight. Amen. So, so, so let no one put any more burden on us. Glory to God. Let no institution do that. You know, Peter says, let's not put to them any burden. Romans 4. Before we close tonight again, we're going to read Acts 15. Before we close. But I'm glad that my salvation is strictly the works of God. He loves me so much. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. He gave. He loved. He didn't say struggle. He just said he will, he will believe in him. Believe tonight. That Christ came from the Father. That Christ is God. And his Savior. He shed that blood for you. He hung on the cross for you. He hung. God made him to become sin on the cross. Romans 4. Verse 1 to 4. What shall we say then that Abraham our father. As then the flesh had found. Verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he had way off to glory, but not before God. Do you know that people that have this mindset of works, they are so proud about it. You know, I'm taking communion as though, as though it has changed your, your vile life. As though it has stopped from, from lying and stealing. As though it has stopped from, from fornication. It's a sense of false belief, false righteousness. What has Abraham found? Verse 3. For what's yet the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was imputed or it was counted unto him for what? For righteousness. So he believed, you see, when you believe in Jesus, that he came, he died, and rose again, and shed his blood on the cross of Calvary, God imputes into you, automatically on the spot, without you going another thing, his own word, righteousness. That's what scripture teaches. And that's the good news. There's no good news in me trying to end it. In fact, it's work. There's no good news if I have to play a role. And in any case, there's no role I can play. There's nothing I can do to end salvation. I can't. Verse 4. Now to him that walketh is a reward, not reckoned of grace, but of what? Of death. But to him that walketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is kind of what? Righteousness. See that? So God comes faith for what? Righteousness. So once we walk and believe God by faith, we become righteous on the spot. It's an event. It's an instantaneous act. It is not a thing that is progressive. Now what is progressive is our sanctification. Our living holy after we've been justified. Now our time is almost up. Philippians 3. Tell me to everybody tonight. 
Philippians 3. So the question of is always raging. It was in the early church. Some says no, we must put rules on them. But it says no, there's no rule. Amen. Praise God. It's faith. That's that's the good news. Amen. Tonight. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Philippians 3, verse 9. Uh, I'm thinking if I can take from okay for our time sake, verse nine. But read from read from verse 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 six through fifteen afterwards for time sake, verse nine. And being found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. See that the faith of Christ. Not for my own faith now, the faith of Christ. That means it, it, the faith I actually had was given to me by who? By Christ. So it's the work of God. Amen to that. The faith of Christ. That, 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 okay, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That means the one that is of God is by faith. Anyone not by faith is not of God, it's of man. And that's why you must keep going to man to what? To validate it. But that which is of God is only God in you that can validate it. So let no man deceive the church. And don't let us also ourselves also deceive ourselves and others. Let's be in a position to preach the gospel straight and right. It is by faith or by grace through faith alone. Not works. Faith plus works is not equal to salvation. But faith, grace by faith, is equal to salvation plus works. <laughs> faith plus works is not equal to salvation. But grace by faith is equal to salvation plus works. When you are truly regenerated in God by faith, it commands you to live right. No matter how right you try to live, without faith is dead. It is faith alone that saves. But the faith that saves will not be alone. I'll be ending tonight. I hope I've helped someone tonight. This question has been asked over the ages and it's important because we must get it right because as a judgment, you must come by the code. You, you, you must be saved by grace and faith alone. Let's read tonight through, as I stop here, we'll continue in the next class, Acts 15. Let's go back there again, Acts 15. You know, for I told you that people ask questions, the same question in early times. Acts 2 37, men and brethren, what shall we do? John 3, John 3, verse 3 and 4. Jesus spoke to, to Nicodemus. He asked, he asked him, How can these things be? How can a man be born again when he is old? So there's all this question being asked now, but there's an answer to it in the word. Let's read from verse 1. I read down. Acts 15. 
And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the man of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain of the others should go to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Jump to verse 4. And, 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 and when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all that the things that God had done to them. But there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it, it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. Verse 7. And when they had been so much disputing, Peter rose up. Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how, how that a good while ago God made choice amongst us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of God and believe. And verse 8, And God which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. Verse 9, And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the, of the disciples, which neither our father nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are, we shall, we are saved, even as they. Verse 12. Then the whole multitude kept silence. And gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among them, the Gentiles. Jump down to verse, to verse, um, um, to verse eighteen. Known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is this: Now, this was James now speaking, that we should trouble them not. There are many churches that have troubled people. Put them on bondage. They put yoke on them. Wearing castle. Putting putting yoke on people. You must be, you must go through this ordinance, this ordinance, this ordinance, this process. And, and then you know, I was with my wife. She said, she said, in the Anglican church and in this church, when they are being confirmed, they will wear dress. It's a party. They will have sponsors. They will come and dance. When did confirmation become a king of partying? Is a work of the spirit in man. Put on them no more yoke. Which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. But that we write unto them that they are saved from pollutions of idols. And from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. In any case, these are the things that happen after you've been justified. But essentially tonight... We must know. So when we go to preach, we won't tell them, just, just speak these words. No, we must let them know that it's by faith. God is the one that saves. Their faith must be in the finished work of Jesus. And once that is done, it's sufficient. Amen tonight. We are cleansed by the blood. The blood is sufficient. What Jesus paid on the cross is more than enough. To save you. He need not anything from you anymore. That night while he was dying. When the thief told him on the cross. Lord Jesus. 
Remember me in your kingdom. It is, ah, uh, please, go and baptize. Confirm. Uh, um, do penance. Take the Eucharist quickly and come back. That would be absurd. But these are things that men do today. And they cloak it in the piety of religiosity and the law. But it says even one night, says, this day, you'll be with me in where? In paradise. If you can believe tonight and trust in the blood, put your faith in him. Trusting the Lord has worked in your heart and call on him. He will answer you and cause the saving grace of God to manifest in your life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Spoken as laid in my heart. To teach your people that salvation and justification is by grace and faith alone. Not of works. For this indeed is the good news. Thank you Lord because as we are saved in you. The grace you've given unto us for salvation, Lord, will also keep us from evil. We will sanctify ourselves. We will purify ourselves. We will stay holy according to the strength that you are enabling us to work with in this spirit. Thank you because your truth spreads. Men are not deceived. Men believe by faith. And they are saved. And escape the wrath to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Spread your word. Call all into the kingdom by the truth of your word as is spoken tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight. Hope you've been blessed. I've been blessed you. If you have been blessed, praise God. Join me again on Thursday, same time by the grace of God. We'll continue on this series. As the Lord leads us, for there's more to say, there's more to teach that we may be equipped, fully prepared to do the good works of God. Spreading the gospel with what our lives and the world. And the end, God Himself will glorify us into His blessed kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight. I've been blessed. Amen.